There comes a fork in the road moment in every organization's life when decisions can't be made without answering the existential question, who are we anyhow? This week, we had two opportunities that could have made us rich at Work Wisdom, but it didn't feel quite right. We spent three days hemming and hawing about it, and then we asked ourselves, who are we anyhow? Organizational archetypes are powerful ways to help your organization become the most potent version of itself. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Kedron Crosby. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. We're so grateful to have Tracy Cutler, Executive Vice President from the Lancaster County Community Foundation, and Ryan Martin, co-founder and partner of The Infantry, joining us for this important discussion. Hi, guys. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I've loved having conversations with both of you about archetypes for probably almost four years now. And so it's so much fun to... um, sit here in the studio and talk about it. Um, So thank you for sharing this with our listeners. So in 1985, there was an article that was released about this notion of organizational identity. And the authors, Albert and Wetton, taught us that understanding what is central, enduring, and distinctive about an organization helps the people inside the organization to make aligned decisions much more easily. If properly communicated, it also helps outsiders quickly understand who the organization really is. At Work Wisdom, we particularly love that once an organization is clear on its identity, it can feel almost like a calling or an organizational imperative that they must live up to in order to avoid the cognitive dissonance that comes when we act out of character. Just like at Work Wisdom um, this past week, we wanted to be true to who we really are so that we didn't creep outside of our identity. Once we thought about it, it was a no-brainer when we held up the mirror. So, Ryan, I know that the infantry uh, uses archetypes extensively. I didn't know quite how extensively until about five minutes ago. Um, so can, can you share a little bit about how you first learned about it? Um, and can you tell me a little bit about the origins? Sure. Um, so for, for me, I was familiar in concept with archetypes, um, for a number of years, different agencies that I worked with had used it at a very high level. Um, meaning they, they only used what I now know now a very small part of what an archetype is, but actually just looking back at what an archetype is, where it kind of came from, um, I'm probably not near as familiar with all of the, the psychological pieces and parts that you would be from the, from the psychology side of things, uh, but how we've always used it and understood it from branding is it really speaks to some of those um, kind of universal truths about um, who and what an organization is. Um, and we had said that, you know, looking back through time and literature, it's kind of how we've understood themes within storytelling. So if I say um, a hero, we understand how that, per- that, that character is supposed to act, uh, how they're supposed to perform. Um, sometimes it informs even the simple things of the language that they use, the, the way they would dress, all these things. 
Um, and so for, for us, from a branding perspective, we believe that brands function very much the same way. Um, so when I started in agency world, uh, there was kind of the 12 key families. And I'll let you, if you want to explain any of those kind of the, the, the top level pieces mm-hmm. of it, um, the different, the different types, um, that were utilized, but we wanted to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to see where there was potential to maybe expand. There's an agency that we had always, uh, had a great deal of respect for called Chen design agency out mm-hmm. of San Francisco. And, uh, saw that they were using this kind of complex, very visually engaging uh, deck of cards that actually had 60 archetypes and really got into the nuance of um, the different types of archetypes. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm interested in um, what you're saying and I even sort of peeling back the onion a little bit more. So it originally goes back to the Greeks and and Plato believed that we had um, these forms, he called them, before they were called archetypes, where uh, we were born. We didn't even have to learn about these forms. We were born knowing these stories of these types. Uh, and so really, not, not too many people talked about it until Carl Jung in, in um, basically the 1950s, 1960s, was thinking about um, the archetypes. And he came up with uh, more than 100 Mm -hmm. archetypes. And so my first interest in archetypes actually came from um, a book called Women Who Run With the Wolves. Does anybody remember that book? I do. (laughs) I do. Um, There's a certain type of woman, maybe (laughs) our age, yes, um, Mm. who remembers that book and found it to be meaningful maybe in the 80s. Yes. And so so that book was a book of stories that were all about this one archetype, the wild woman archetype. Mm. And so that's when I first started learning about archetypes. But I've also been interested in um, archetypes through Carolyn Miss, and there are um, there are at least 60, but there are probably more more than 100. Um, in, in Carolyn Miss's work around archetypes, you can create your own archetype that uh, is beyond the 60 in, in the archetype cards that you use and, and um, the hundreds that are in the Carolyn Miss archetypes. So, um, so, so it's neat how we all come to them. It is, I think, part of this collective unconscious unconscious and when we start um hearing about them it just resonates Mm -hmm. so easily with everyone so it's never exactly a sell Mm -hmm. it's just we recognize that Mm -hmm. um so tracy when did you first start knowing about archetypes or using archetypes yeah it's funny i mean to your point you kind of know about Mm -hmm. them yeah but you don't realize it until someone gives you Mm -hmm. language yeah right yeah so yeah you know when yeah, women who run with the wolves. Right. And yeah, so I mean, it, it was fun to, to start to think about archetypes in the context of branding. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's when you think about it in an organizational context, it's a way, um, I think it's a way to kind of help your organization visualize itself, its role in an ecosystem, whatever your ecosystem is. Like, what role do you play in that? And, and to bring those... You know, when you look at even the archetype cards that you Mm -hmm. reference, Ryan, you know, there's some really deep and detailed descriptions of what does this archetype do? What do they think about? Mm -hmm. How do they lead? And so creating those ideas of personified behaviors, Mm -hmm. I think, gives us a lot of power in visualizing the work that we're doing in the world. Yeah. I think, think too, you know, 
in our world of branding, but I think in general for, for us as humans, we all want to know a little bit more about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is yet another tool. And so when we, we look at things like <laughs> the quizzes that Cosmo puts out or the mm-hmm. horoscopes that are out, we all want to know, have a deeper understanding or something that they can say, yeah, that is my part of my identity or I re- relate to that or identify with that. Um, even just hearing the interest of other people talking about who you are and, and, and how they introduce you to someone, it it all becomes part of that kind of identity piece that I think we're all naturally curious about or should be naturally curious about, I think, to some extent. And with brands, as it's been brought into that language, it, we're, being, we're being asked to understand how they relate to situations, how brands communicate. Uh, we talk about all the time that if you start communicating with too many different archetypes, you start having a multiple personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And so in that, you start confusing your audiences as to really what do you stand for and what do you connect with. So that's Mm -hmm. really, really, I think, huge for us as we started like looking at, you know, we want to find ways to provide our clients um, that we work with an opportunity to reveal and find something new about themselves. Uh, At the same time, we hope to learn through their their process of their self-exploration through this, um, our own understanding of what that actually looks like in context. Mm -hmm. I think it's really been an evolution, you know, with Mm -hmm. things like branding, because Mm -hmm. people weren't using this tool. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, branding, you know, branding started with logos, people's Mm -hmm. understanding of what that meant, Mm -hmm. right? You know, somebody's building a logo and you, you've started a logo is not a brand. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so this, this much deeper understanding of how do we operate in the world, right? An individual's understanding of that. And then how do organizations wrap their mind about that Mm -hmm. and ultimately bringing together lots of different individual archetypes Mm -hmm. and the way that we all connect to ourselves individually and bringing that together in an organization Mm. is pretty interesting yeah it's so powerful Mm -hmm. what one of the things I want to talk a little bit about what we think is most Mm -hmm. beneficial Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. using archetypes Um, one of the things that I think is most beneficial is that all of the archetypes are presented in this non-dualistic way. Mm. It's they are neither good nor bad, mm-hmm. um, right. and they they have light attributes. In my world, mm-hmm. they have light attributes mm-hmm. and shadow attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like uh, as we think organizationally about who we really are, anyhow, uh, it's it's okay to adopt an archetype because it's neither good nor bad, but you just become sort of a more robust version Mm -hmm. of who that is. So I'm curious, what do you think is most beneficial about the use of archetypes? Ryan, if you had to pick one thing, Mm. I know you love love them Um, so much. Well, and I think for us, some of that comes down to the process in which we use it. And if this is not the way you want me to describe it, please let me know. But, you know, I think for us, what the archetype allows is we're always looking for new ways for our clients to communicate what's going on inside either their heads, inside the the organization that we can't see day in and day out. Um, And so for us, it's a really unique opportunity to provide them with ways for them to talk about themselves. Uh, And so watching that self-discovery and watching Mm -hmm. that having that chance of wrestling with, Mm -hmm. these are all good things. Mm -hmm. You know, these are not, as you mentioned, they're not like good or bad. Mm -hmm. There are strengths and challenges Mm -hmm. associated with each. Mm -hmm. Um, And watching them kind of wrestle with that Mm -hmm. um, and that and coming to grips with kind of, yeah, at our best, at our most ideal, mm-hmm. what, is that, uh, what does that communicate about who we are? And oftentimes when they look at the challenges associated, that's when the aha kind of moments yes. click because they say, yeah, those challenges for this archetype 
are uniquely also our challenges as well. And so the way we operate and we do the, the process is very much of getting the organization, um, those key kind of stakeholders, those individuals that are living out the brand day in and day out that are responsible mm-hmm. to carry out that mission and vision and the mm-hmm. purpose of why they exist, to have them do it um, as a group and wrestle with some of the language that they may be using um, slightly different for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can get into that with the Community Foundation, how that's played out. But we had the unique opportunity to work you know, with both the staff and then bring the board um, into this and have there be a back and forth conversation as to what that actually means. So it's just as important as what you, um, by saying what you do stand for is then saying, okay, that means then we don't necessarily mm. need to stand for all of these mm. things. So it's clarity mm. and it's communication for us in that respect. Mm. That's so great, isn't it? I love the wrestling part, mm-hmm. you know, that you put them together and you create that safe space for them to yeah. have a street fight with themselves right. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. and, and think through who are we really mm-hmm. um, and have the conversation that's so beneficial mm-hmm. on so many levels, not just around marketing or branding. Um, mm-hmm. Tracy, do you have a favorite use of the archetypes or a favorite aspect of the archetypes? Yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, one of my favorite aspects of it is the many archetypes. So, yeah. you know, the the kind of spectrum that, um, you know, something like the card set allows you to kind of envision and explore. And and then, yeah, the way that it, it, it challenges you as an individual and, and ultimately as an organization to refine your thinking. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there are the light sides and shadow sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it helps bring that into pretty, you know, um, clear focus mm-hmm. about not only um, what maybe you are, but what you'd like to be. So mm-hmm. I think the archetypes can give you some aspirational language mm-hmm. or aspirational behaviors mm-hmm. that help you live into the archetype Uh, that's really going to be the most powerful. Yeah, and something I'm hearing in both of what you're saying is that it allows us to focus. Mm -hmm. It allows us to know who we're not. Mm -hmm. So um, I I never really thought about it almost in a strategy screen kind of way, Mm -hmm. in that positive Mm -hmm. no kind of way, but um, that allows us to be more efficient doesn't it? Right, right. I mean, it's kind of the paradox of choice. There's so many, but when you you choose one or two, then it does. It it makes things easier. Crystallizes. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the other things I really think is beneficial about archetypes is is something we know about human nature is that we all have cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. when we are out of acting out of character, like I said before. So once we have landed on an archetype or two, um, it feels almost painful. It feels almost like we're suffering when we act out of character. And I think that is that can be used in a constructive way organizationally um, so that we have more alignment with our behavior as well as with our messaging and our branding. Um, so that's one of my other favorite benefits of the archetypes. So, um, you know, obviously at Work Wisdom, we're organizational behaviorists. We're very interested in behavior. (laughs) And this podcast is called The Behaviorist. So so as you think through the years in your organizations, can you recall if there's ever been a time that knowing your archetype has prevented your organization from maybe dodging a bullet or creeping away from your purpose on the planet? 
I can speak from a personal example because we actually did this with our team for the infantry brand. Um, we bl- we broke up into three different uh, categories. Uh, sorry, three different groups of people within our within our um, departments, um, and we all went through the exercise. And my business partner, while we were in different groups, we were both were coming back to this maverick personality. And if we looked back on where we were at the time, it was largely based around this idea that we had been. Um, placed in situations where we were being told the rules of the game, we were being kind of pushed into a bit of a corner on some of the things, and so our natural reaction was to say, as we move forward with our identity, we're going to start we're going to start setting the trajectory. We're going to have our own unique flavor. You're not going to fence me in. We're going to show you. And so a little bit of our own kind of response to it started to come through, and I had kind of brought him along and convinced him that that was part of where we were going to go with how we positioned the brand moving forward. And the rest of our team like said, that's nice, guys, but that's not at all who we are. It's not how we <laughs> operate. It's not how we function. And so what came out of that was um, there were some, some good things. They weren't necessarily wrong about that Maverick positioning or that we weren't wrong about it. But what they said, it needs focus. It mm. needs directive. And so out of that actually became the warrior archetype, which is – really focused around a lot more of the kind of valor and fearlessness, uh, but there's a kind of a conviction and duty, and it's very much how we operate, how we think. It's uh, fighting for a cause bigger than one or oneself. Mm. And so it took it from being kind of, um, you know, a, a bit more aggressive and mm. we'll say a little bit more uh, chaotic and brought some focus to it, which was really helpful. Yes, we're called the infantry, and yes, we have a warrior archetype. That's the flavor in which we operate. But for us, the really big piece of that from, from a standpoint of clarity was the the kind of supporting archetype that we always talk about that goes with that, and that mm. is the translator. That's the role that we play. And so even this exercise gives us that opportunity to say, we're as the translator, we need to understand your organizational um behavior we need to understand how you talk how you walk how you operate Mm. so that we can then turn around and communicate it on your behalf Mm. and so our role so we're we're warrior translators and so for us that has become their identity and that's how we talk about it and so what could have been a maverick like personality to say i want to go in this direction and i really don't care who's with me my team helped bring me back to a place of saying we understand where you're at today but that's not how we've functioned for the last 10 years as an organization Mm. That's so good. You have psychological safety on your team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone spoke it's up and true. said, dudes, that's yeah, not yeah, right, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Did you have any uh, examples of a time when your archetype sort of helped you dodge a bullet at the Community Foundation? You know... Um, or avoid mission creep, maybe. Yeah, it, it is helps us to certainly, like we said, kind of keep our North Star. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're an organization, like many organizations... Um, that has kind of, you know, from the outside, it may have a little bit of a, a nebulous purpose. So we don't make a product. We don't, you know, we don't deliver a specific service, mm. but we do um, think of ourselves as culture nudgers. I'll mm. say culture nudgers. Mm. Um, so how how might we bring about um, people shifting a little bit of their thinking? How might we encourage mm. behaviors that can, can change the way our, our um, community functions? And so, you know, the way that our archetype really fits into this is, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges in in our community. I mean, you could take a, an example like 
homelessness or you know providing housing in our community and as a foundation you know somebody could make a case that said well you're a foundation you should make sure there are more houses for people mm. and you know that would that's a it's a it's an important cause it's an important thing you know we could direct resources to that but we too you know our board has wrestled with this and taken hold of our archetype which is is visionary citizen and and you know whereas we could possibly you know buy lots of hammers and nails and mm-hmm. two befores and build lots of houses and help mm-hmm people who are building lots of houses, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to kind of back up mm-hmm. and say, you know, our our archetype actually isn't about the frontline work. Our archetype is, is this visionary idea. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just reading from the card, you know, that says some things like this archetype thinks in systems and can synthesize multiple data points. So in looking at that, really, probably our more important role and purpose is to do things like connect the people who are building houses with maybe Mm -hmm. government entities, with maybe homeowners or people who need to be and want to be homeowners. Mm -hmm. And how do we connect lots of people who are involved in the same project? Mm -hmm. And actually, that's the kind of role that we can play Mm. as visionary citizens. So, I mean, when you're tempted to go towards something that might, like you had said, make you a lot of money, Mm -hmm. or that might um, seem like it's solving exactly the problem in front of you, the archetype can give you the sense to say, wait a minute, is, is this, is this our role? Is this the best and highest purpose that we can play as our organization? Is this what we're meant to do? Mm. Uh, or do we need to kind of, yeah, reconsider and kind yeah. of root ourselves in, in our archetype? So we've had those discussions at our board, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was just yeah. going to say, I had, the, I had the unique opportunity of being on the board of the Community Foundation as well and sitting there now. Um, we were in our board retreat and I bring my archetype cards along with me because I know it's going to have to come up at some point mm-hmm. um, through the course of this because, you know, it's a two-day planning. And um, we start talking about some issues that are coming up. And I hand Tracy the <laughs> activist <laughs> and the advocate and the reformer as like, mm-hmm. we, we, these are not our archetypes. Mm-hmm. We're being asked to play in these roles right mm-hmm. now. And we can, but we've decided at some point that mm-hmm. those are no, no longer our archetypes. And I can say our because mm-hmm. I'm now part of yeah, that. Right. But I also got to be part of the the wrestling and the and the understanding of what that clarity has brought to the organization. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that keeps us in our lane. They're not to be constrictive and mm-hmm. restrictive. They're to be guide rails. And I think yeah. that's the really helpful mm-hmm. thing of saying, you know, this is opportunity to stay the course and not provide, you know, confusion mm-hmm. um, to the audience. Because when we're when we are thinking about a day in and day out operationally, the task that we have to do and accomplish, mm-hmm. it's really easy to say, okay, but we're going to go in this way for this tactic. But what does that mean? How does it communicate about how do we respond as a personality, as a brand? Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that do to our identity? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so helpful. Yeah. The, the bullet that we dodged about uh, this past week ha- mm-hmm. was um, a couple of people came to us and they wanted to um, have us weave in uh, compliance, regulation, mm. management, you mm. know, um, multinational corporation, lots of jargon, lots of acronyms, yeah. all of that. And then we remembered 
we're the shaman. We're the mm-hmm. shaman sage crone. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got yep. like five of them now that go along with sure. it. But none of them have anything to do with managing compliance and regulations, mm-hmm. do they? And right. so it just was so clarifying yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's so good. You know, Kate Coleman talks about using values as bumpers. So mm-hmm. th- these, um, you know, when we have deeply held beliefs that guide our behavior and we stay within the bumpers. And I think mm-hmm. archetypes help us stay within mm-hmm. the bumpers they do they well. give you the the guide rails and the focus yeah. so it's it's really a, a yeah it kind of really clarifies your lane mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so um this this takes it a little uh a little lower on the altitude but have you ever used the archetypes in hiring or even culture shaping or even leadership development in your organizations and if you have um what does that look like <laughs> what's it look like at the infantry oh uh, Great question, and again, my dorkiness about archetypes might come through here a little bit. Um, you we might actually, need a cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I will admit, I had known about archetypes in context for a long time and never saw their value, truthfully. Um, oh. uh, and so when I started seeing what it did to organizations when they weren't being assigned archetypes, that's how they had been used in the past in an agency that I, you were assigned oh. an archetype. And so that was how we operated, but they didn't go through the process of wrestling. Oh. And in that wrestling is where all the magic right exactly that's where the flavor really comes comes through so all that to say um when we started i think really owning this as part of our process and how involved that becomes in telling brand stories and and communicating on their behalf and using it to inform our our language we start saying what other uses are there uh, Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. uh and that opened another pandora's box for us because we started finding out that individuals um, have their own archetypes, mm-hmm. uh, but roles can also have their own archetypes. And so we actually imparted like the an archetype to each of the job descriptions that we have published for our people. And while like artists and creator are all part of, you know, what we do um, as far as designers and that, and that piece, um, we actually don't have that as a chief archetype. The chief archetype for the designer is actually an engineer and you'd say well, well why how does that connect the creative part has to be there absolutely but to be able to think with that kind of process uh to be able to engineer it so it can be used by others that's what we want in our designers they're not fine artists they're not creators in that realm alone they have to apply a system and so you know our designers the archetype is an engineer. However, they will bring their own personal flavor to it. So what's unique is one of our designers happens to have a personality of an engineer mm. in that. And it's mm. like works at a, at a really wild and, um, dynamic way. Mm-hmm. However, one of our other designers has the adventure as his personal archetype when he went through this process and it is his identity to a T. So when you put an engineer engineer and an engineer adventurer you get some interesting dichotomy Mm -hmm. that's part of the flavor of the organization you can't have everybody being robotic in this they have to have their own unique flavors Mm -hmm. and we're not saying that that one who has an engineer personality and engineer job description is the ideal Mm -hmm. in fact they need to be counterbalanced and every role in our organization i feel like we have a counterbalance my business partner also named ryan um his archetype is very, very different than mine. Mm-hmm. And our roles have tended to be a little different in what we bring to it, which has made the organization function that function mm. that much better. That's so fantastic. What a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually didn't know that you did that. So 
it makes me want to do that in my organization <laughs> too. Watch out. Um, yeah, I'm also really interested in um, how we use it in leadership development. So, so when you are hiring, do you tell the person, the candidate at their interview? Um, now this position is an engineer, you know, this has the archetype of engineering or, or do you not share your weirdness just yet, Ryan? Well, it's a great question. <laughs> or do you, or do you ask, or you do try and understand their archetype? Yeah. That's of the fit. more of my okay. interest in that situation mm-hmm. okay. because typically they don't, um, they don't know all of the ins and outs of these. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to typically have two hours to walk them through the process that we tend mm-hmm. to go through. Uh, that being said, it allows us to start evaluating, can they function in that role? I'm using yeah. the engineer again. Can they function in that role of an engineer? Or are they too much of a creator mm-hmm. artist type mm-hmm. personality that they can't fit in within those forms and functions mm-hmm. of the engineering side that we need? Mm-hmm. So that allows us to help clarify. But at the same point, understanding how they work, it's really, really important at the review time Mm -hmm. because I'm not holding them accountable for their human archetype, their personality. Mm -hmm. I'm holding responsible for the role that they're achieving, Mm -hmm. but recognizing the the strengths and challenges Mm -hmm. that that personality type brings to the archetype Mm -hmm. helps put it in perspective uh, for a lot of it. So it's not so much in the hiring as Mm -hmm. it is in the ongoing Mm -hmm. because we would definitely overwhelm them as Mm -hmm. we say, all right, we need you to choose your archetype before we can begin this, you know, yeah. the interview process. Yeah. That being said, as they become familiar with it, they understand how this actually relates. It gives them the aha mm-hmm. moment. It gives them the awakening to like, oh, that makes sense. And so watching them identify, self-identify mm-hmm. who they are and then say, okay, then how does that affect the role that I, mm-hmm. that, that I facilitate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be great. I mean, I can think about the implications for um, leadership development then, yeah, that you can absolutely. very clearly think about what kind of talent you want to be developing mm-hmm. in that exactly. person mm-hmm. so that they can really be extraordinary in their role. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we use archetypes in executive coaching. So, so often when there's an identity lag in an evolving leader, mm-hmm. um, we have them think about what was their last chapter mm-hmm. archetype. And then their current chapter mm-hmm. archetype. Sometimes we'll even have them think about 10 years from now, what what archetype mm-hmm. do you think um, you might be living into? Sometimes we even think about tying that to some strategy mm-hmm. for their company. Absolutely. So um, that's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. So um, would you two as leaders um, say that you've discerned your own leadership archetype have you have you done that sort of exploration and if so are you willing to share on the air um what you came up with tracy where are you at with Uh, that exploration yeah i mean i'll I'll be vulnerable here and say i'm not really sure yeah i'm not sure i need to uh, yeah i I said earlier it's like you know this is a year of personal challenge and introspection so i'm thinking it's a year to kind of um dive in it's a lot it's uh it's a safer challenge to do it from an organizational perspective, mm-hmm. I think. And mm-hmm. it's it's an important challenge because there's a lot of coalescing around understanding a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, so it's really interesting to hear you talk about pushing your team to really identify with their personal archetypes to understand how they fit into yeah. your mix. Is really, yeah. yeah. So Ryan, I'm wondering about you. You know, I'm also thinking you're you're the founder, you're the yeah. co-founder of the infantry. And so 
if you're willing to share sure. it, your yeah. own personal and also then talk a little bit about whether or not you think your own personal <laughs> archetype um, somehow weaves into the business's yeah. archetype. So again, as we're looking at job descriptions alongside of personal archetypes, um, from the my personal bent, and I never set out to be entrepreneurial. I, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but never thought of it that way. <laughs> I never thought of it, just kind of how business was handled. Um, and so as I looked at this and went through it, um, the archetype that is I've kind of owned, um, and it's one of those ones that it's hard to say humbly, but it's the innovator um, from that standpoint of kind of idea generation, cross-pollination, high intellect, curiosity. That curiosity piece is willing to take risks. Mm -hmm. um, I always joke that if if I was doing business by myself, um, I would have failed three or four times by now. Mm -hmm. We're probably up to five, actually, mm -hmm. this time, this long. My business partner would have never left his living room. Um, and so he is super structured and our appreciation for each other in this, mm -hmm. he's also actually another one of those engineer mm -hmm. is his actual personality types mm -hmm. as well um, that happens to live into that role. But the two of us together, I can think the big dreams and then he can say, and this is how we're going to make it happen. And so from that, it has, been, it has really solidified our working relationship. Um, it's very much kind of how uh, we, we operate together. I think of I think of where we're going to go, kind of the almost a little bit of the vision piece of it, and then he says, "All right, and here's how we're going to make it happen." And mm -hmm. so that has become a really great balance for the two of us. So, mm -hmm. um, innovators become really uh, my personal asking the why, but um, as my role has shifted, I've taken on. Um, so I'm now an innovator, an innovator matchmaker, mm -hmm. uh, which sounds like a. Um, I should be on Fiddler on the Roof, but mm -hmm. it is, it's really connected to not just networking, but finding those relational keys. Um, my role has shifted to not just being vision, but also building the team. And for me, that's the part that like now actually gives me goosebumps. Mm -hmm. um, it's to putting together the right people in the spaces to, to live out their roles, to live out their own archetypes to some mm -hmm. extent in this. And so I get to vision, but I also get to do it with a team. And so that visionary matchmaker is kind of how those things work together for me. We like having a kind of primary and secondary or personality and description because it provides some of that unique flavor. Mm -hmm. I like it when we can just boil it down to one. Um, I'm just not... I don't know that I'm able to mm -hmm. oftentimes because I like to have a compare and contrast, a push pull. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the challenges or the shadow side of the innovator, mm -hmm. um, does, has it resonated with you and has it maybe even been constructive for you in that you've been able to change behavior knowing that that's a shadow for you. Absolutely. Oh, how um, wonderful. That's uh, good. The challenges, and I'm just reading them quickly, but the challenges, difficulty, staying focused, yep. All ideas and no action could be. Uh, danger of getting lost in the mind. And mm -hmm. these are absolutely things that mm -hmm. I tend to, mm -hmm. knowing that, and letting my team know that that's the case, and recognizing I need to put, I need to put checks and balances in my own life to make mm -hmm. sure that that's not the case. So those things are actually the exact opposite of what my business partner struggles with. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in that, there's such a great harmony to yeah. that. And we do the same thing with roles. We're trying to figure out, you know, when we have two or three people in a role, we don't want two people that have the exact same personality in, this, in the exact same mm -hmm. role. We want to have maybe a bit more um, theoretical individual and it's something that is also 
in, in, in a role next to somebody who's a bit more of this is how it has to be done each mm-hmm. and every time because they, 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 they grind off the, yeah. the, the rough edges. And yeah. I think that really helps make it um, not mm-hmm. just about, uh, well, this is the role. And we're a small organization of 13 people. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that looks like at, at a 600 or 700 person organization. But for us as a small team, mm-hmm. um, it's really helpful to know those pieces. The challenges are just as important mm-hmm. as, as, the, as the strengths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also interested in um, how we evolve as individuals, how we transition as organizations mm-hmm. um I, I, you know organizational identity is very much rooted in this they call it the ced the um central enduring and distinctive qualities of an organization so the central enduring and distinctive qualities are supposed to be just that enduring not mm-hmm. really changing do you think that archetypes can change do you think that um it's a good thing that mm-hmm. they that they change. Uh, have you seen them change? Mm-hmm. So just mm-hmm. your opinions, your thoughts, your experiences on that. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this idea of enduring archetypes for, for an organization, mm-hmm. you know, smaller organizations, larger organization, I, I principally like to think that there are some components that remain core mm-hmm. to the, to the, to the brand. And I think simultaneously, when you have leadership changes, when you have priority changes, when you have strategic changes, I know you, you've had a conversation recently with Mike McKenna about mm-hmm. leadership changes. And, you know, I, I think about what does it mean for the organization that he is leading? Mm-hmm. You know, would that, would that actually change the organizational archetype? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, the idea of having kind of some guardians of the culture mm-hmm. or guardians of the organizational archetype embedded within an organization, mm-hmm. um, you know, may help smooth some of those transition and provide that, that consistency mm-hmm. of, of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, using again, the archetypes and maybe they shift, you know, you just described Ryan, your own personal archetype sure. is shifting. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, as individuals, our archetypes are shifting Absolutely. and there, but there are a lot of similar, um, traits mm-hmm. to many of the archetypes. Mm-hmm. So there's the, the families of archetypes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, you rattle off several that work wisdom has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sage and yeah. Crone shaman. and crone. shaman. I know. <laughs> crone. I, that's kind of, of a rough pretty. one. None of them are good looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you want to be around them. Yeah, so. I guess so. I don't yeah. really need to get all the Botox. If <laughs> Crone is really my my thing. There's there's something if I make it from the standpoint, you know, we've walked alongside of Community Foundation mm-hmm. for the last ten years, mm-hmm. um, and I think the archetype from what we understood that organization to be in mm-hmm. 2009 when mm-hmm. we first started working to what they have become now, mm-hmm. they radically shifted that. What's interesting though is. Um, some of those those core things of what they've done, you know, so the the how they go about doing them, I would say, has shifted. Mm-hmm. The core purpose of a foundation hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. So there's some organizational truths. Like mm-hmm. if they were no longer seen as being good stewards of the resources mm-hmm. that have been given to them, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be a good citizen. You know, as mm-hmm. part of a visionary citizen, that's that's part of the role. Yeah. But they. Pers- previously lived that out in a bit more of a rank and file, a, a bit more of what we would say mm-hmm. is the sovereign archetype, mm-hmm. archetype mm-hmm. from that like 
um, this is the tradition and mm-hmm. it had and it has existed for a, you know a hundred years mm-hmm. and that's the way we do things. Mm-hmm. But a regime change, you know, mm-hmm. a, a new a mm-hmm. new influx of of leadership, a new vision that gets crafted for where we can go. Mm-hmm some of the core of why they exist isn't going to shift, mm-hmm. but how they go about living out that purpose, I think does. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where, you know, for, for this, having the opportunity to talk about this um, with, with Tracy here and seeing that being lived out, they do that each and every day now. Mm-hmm. They're continuing to live out the vision that was mm-hmm. set years ago, but the archetype helps them to live into it. Uh, mm-hmm. It just gives them some of that. And it keeps them focused because there's a lot of other things because of their visionary nature that they could mm-hmm. pick up and take on the mantle of and have mm-hmm. six, seven, eight archetypes. Mm-hmm. The challenge becomes then, what are they known for? How are they understood? And, and keeping that clarity mm-hmm. is sometimes the hardest part of it. It's mm-hmm. not just what you say yes to, it's what you say no to mm-hmm. in yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And as a brand as being that container for meaning, mm-hmm. what is that meaning gonna stay, stay true right. to? Yeah. And that shared language, the value mm-hmm. of shared language within an organization, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think really goes to, you know, the idea of purpose mm-hmm. and that, that continuity. And, you know, when you have organizations where there's shifts in, in, in personnel and sure. individuals mm-hmm. and yeah. So having that to, to lean into and, and yeah, mm-hmm. to give you roots mm-hmm. is a really, is a really powerful tool mm-hmm. to move organizations forward. Yeah. yeah. It motivates you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We think uh, quite a lot about aspired culture, mm-hmm. you know, so we will go into an organization and assess their current culture. And then, um, if they're doing some strategic planning and they want to shift their culture to a new culture, they really paint the picture of what that new culture looks like. So I've been toying with this idea of, can one have an aspired archetype, um, to which one is crafting behaviors that will lead it in that direction. Um, but I need to probably write an article about it before I've really, before I talk on the air about it, because <laughs> I would never do that. Right, talk right, about right, an idea before about it's it. fully fleshed out. No, right. definitely not yeah. me. Um, so let's think about our listeners. What advice do you have for our listeners regarding concrete use of archetypes? Well, which should they do first or what's the, what's the one thing you would recommend to them? Tracy, do you have something in mind? Uh, I mean, I think to begin becoming familiar with the archetypes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one of the, one of the opportunities that this exercise presents is just the idea to kind of expand our understanding and our mind around, oh, what is this? Because as you go through, you know, you'll find, oh, oh yeah, oh, I know all of these, but they're not coming, you know, here's one sitting here, the hedonist. I mean, that's one. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we know him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I you know. I work with him, actually. Right, He's right. a client. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that simple idea of, you know, going back to a kind of sense of self, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. being, being in touch with that gives us a lot of opportunity to mm-hmm. springboard into um, our work that we're doing in any organization, any, any interactions that we're having. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so neat because there's so many different approaches to archetypes. Mm-hmm. So depending exactly. on who you are, mm-hmm. you can buy the book that sure. most fits you. You know, if you're, if you're crony, sagey, shaman, like you should buy the archetype <laughs> um, cards from Carolyn mess. Um, if you're interested in gorgeous beauty, um, I think that the, the Chen archetype cards would really be a great start for you. So do you have any concrete, um, 
wisdom for our concrete. listeners? Uh, <laughs> this is so not concrete. That's what's so okay. great about it. it no, no but from the standpoint, though, yeah. of like, I think you can use them for a lot of different reasons and a lot of different whys. Yeah. Um, in this, I think that archetypes, you know, themselves, um, they're tools. It's really tools in the hands of how you want to use them. Uh, the craftsman, maybe, uh, that you truly get that that the artistry to come through. So um, I think oftentimes we get very self-focused on these things and we can go them about them for ourselves. Mm-hmm. What I think is really helpful and maybe something that concrete that we think, don't do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Do it with, mm-hmm. I've done this with my wife. That's an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. As you start communicating, okay, I'm seeing this. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're this way, but you forgot about this list of challenges that also is part of your personality type. Mm-hmm. Okay, I gotta keep looking. You know, And, mm-hmm. and so in that, we... We don't go through this world by ourselves, and we can't live into our archetypes only in our own heads. It has mm-hmm. to be something that we have to do mm-hmm. in community, mm-hmm. and I think that is helpful. I think the way we've seen it work with organizations, organizational culture, and using archetypes to help them talk, the final archetype is great, and it really does provide us with a lot of value, mm-hmm. but the process of getting there, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is more important. I'll yeah. echo that. Okay. I mean, just using <laughs> using the, the tools to, mm-hmm. to spend time with your team mm-hmm. and work through that process mm-hmm. together yeah. is, even if it's just a, an archetype game, I sure. mean, depending yeah. on, you know, how you decide to really integrate it into your strategy, but having that that shared language and that understanding and, yeah. and challenging each other, the wrestling that you described mm-hmm. is, is really powerful mm-hmm. for a team. And don't let the name itself, I will say this for every one of the cards you mentioned about the the the, the crone. Oh, gosh, uh, don't the let the crown. name itself <laughs> be what takes it out of the equation for yeah. you. Because uh, we had a retirement community do this. Um, the the individuals who were running this, the, the retirement community, the board and the executive staff, we did took through this mm-hmm. process. And the one they came out with was child. Oh, and I yeah. would have never put it into the mix mm-hmm. for them. I would have never thought, yeah, that's... But the way they communicated mm-hmm. is the sense of wonder mm-hmm. uh, and opportunity that they have mm-hmm. at this stage of mm-hmm. life that they haven't had since they were a child. Mm-hmm. It's rediscovering that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, mm-hmm. wow, I can write some language off hearing that from them after hearing that but it was never one i would put in the mix and unfortunately like we we associate too much meaning with words mm-hmm. that we can't um back up with that same meaning and so i think mm-hmm. we, we all use words assuming we understand what they mean mm-hmm. and if we are able to dig a little deeper and find it's that common language and, mm-hmm. yeah and say okay that's really what this means and we're all agreeing that that's what this means then it can be, I think, transformative. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is such good advice. Thank you so much. I know our us. listeners are going to love this. Um, I'm so grateful to both of you for being part of this movement of helping world changers in the workplace enhance their individual and collective team performance. So thank you, listeners, for downloading The Behaviorist, and we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through work, uh, our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press, Work Wisdom Productions. You can ask questions and make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a one-minute wisdom by Anthony DeMello. We think this rather beautifully shows the relationship between organizational identity and archetype. The sun and its light, the ocean and the wave, the singer and his song, not one, not two.